Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. The Foundation of Truth, Part 2, John 17 and verse 17 Jesus made this life-changing statement to his disciples. He made this statement. He said to the Lord, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. This is the verse that revolutionized my thinking. This is the verse that set me on the path that my wife and I have been on for the last almost 30 years. Uh, Is the word is truth. Now, here's the thing. If you ask the nominal believer, is the Bible truth, is, you know, is it the Word of God? They'll say, well, yes, it is. But then right on the other hand, they will ask you, if you say, well, God will do this, well, how do you know that? Well, because the Word says He will. Well, I understand that. Wait, if the Word says He will, that's truth. All right, that, that, that's truth. The Word is truth. It's not about truth. It is truth. It contains truth, but it is truth. Amen. Hallelujah. The word truth means what is true in any matter under consideration. What is true in any matter under consideration. So you name the matter, and that is true, whatever the consideration is, whatever's under consideration, the word is truth concerning that. This, this is so important where your faith is concerned because faith thrives on truth. And something has to be true for, for your faith to work. Whatever you're dealing with, the word is the truth concerning that. Ever what it may be. And that's important to understand because that, that is your foundation. All right? That's what the Bible says, the foundation of truth. All right? All statements about the Word are not truth. But the Word's absolute truth. Because people will make statements about certain things in the Word. That's passed away. That's not for us today. Or whatever the case may be. Well, that statement about the Word's not truth. But the Word is truth. And in order for the Word to have the effect in my life that it could have, I have to view it as absolute truth. I have to view it as absolute truth. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. What we have, quite quite frankly, in the world today is a a void of truth. It's, uh, I, uh, I don't get upset. I get, I get a little uneasy when I, I, I hear pastors talking about the church and running the church down and the church is weak and the church is this and the church is falling apart. No, we're not. It's impossible. Because Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 16 that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. It's built upon the foundation of the revelation that Jesus is Lord. It can't fail. 
It can't fail. As a matter of fact, the, de the, the church is such a powerful entity that the devil cannot try to fulfill his ultimate plan until the church is gone. Because he can't overcome the church. He cannot overcome the church. And, and no political party can overcome the church. Uh, uh, no political philosophy, communism, socialism, none of that can overcome the church. Well, we're being overrun by the communists. Aren't you worried about the communists? The communists better worry about us because they're going to run into headlong. They, they are going to answer the question, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? We're going to find out. Because they say, you'll hear people say, that can't be stopped. That can't be stopped. Or you're going to find out. When it runs headlong into the church, it will stop abruptly. Amen. Why? Because, because the church wins. Right. Amen. And, and so it's, it's, it's not the church. The church isn't weak. I, I, I will say this. We got weak pastors. We got pastors that, that have turned coward and ran. We, we, amen. Under whatever guise. And, and they're violating scripture that says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And even the more as you see the day approaching. So we should be having more church. You understand? Now, I'm not adding services, so just bear with me. I was talking to my wife tonight. I was talking to my wife tonight on the way to church. And I said, honey, I said, you know, midweek service was started all those years ago in the church. Because pastors and leaders figured out that people don't do well Sunday to Sunday. You need something in the middle. You know, you, you might be one of those people that just eats breakfast and dinner, but not many in here just eat breakfast and dinner. You eat lunch. Right? That midday meal. Why? Because you need it. Especially if you're working hard. You need it. Amen. Well, we're, we're out in the world. We're out in, in the atmosphere of lies. We're out in the domain of the kingdom of darkness on a daily basis. And we need the Word more now than we've ever needed it before. Amen. First, 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid... Knowing they do gender strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure or perhaps will give them repentance, notice, to the acknowledging of the truth. To the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So notice God will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. One translation, the Berkeley translation says, that leads to acknowledgement of the truth. Repentance that leads to the acknowledgement of the truth. So we know that repentance means to change the mind or to change the thinking. And he's talking about people here, notice, that are asking unlearned and foolish questions. Uh, there are people that are bringing opposition to themselves. They're opposing themselves because of the way they're thinking. And notice what he says. He says, if you will instruct them, well, how do you instruct them? You instruct them with the truth. And he says, if you will instruct them, God will grant them repentance. So that they can acknowledge the truth. 
So do, do you see this? So they can acknowledge the truth. And what will happen after they acknowledge the truth? They will recover themselves. That word means they'll wake up. They'll become sober-minded. All right? They'll become sober-minded and they'll come out of the snare of the devil. Right? You see, the devil can't keep you ensnared once you come to the knowledge of the truth. He just can't. I don't care what it may be. When, when, listen, I, I use the illustration of my wife and I. In 1995, when I saw what I saw in the Word, that was it. That was it. I wasn't abundantly supplied the next day in the natural, but I was abundantly supplied the next day in my mind. I was still riding the bus to work. I still couldn't afford a $10 bus pass to, for the month. But I'm telling you, when I walked that mile to the bus stop the next morning and got on the metro, a rich man got on the metro. I still looked the same. I still had holes in my shoes. I was, st- I was still carrying that blue duffel bag that had my good shoes in it because I only had one pair and I had to wear them to church and to work. But I was carrying that old blue duffel bag and I was a new man. I had seen something in the Word. What had happened? The truth had made me free from the lie that I could not prosper. And what happened? The devil's snare was broken. Amen. People say, did you repent? Yes, I repented. I repented. I told the Lord, I, I, forgive me. I repent for not tithing consistently. Lord, we'll do it. And, and Amen. As my daddy used to say, if it hair lips the devil, we're going to tithe. Amen. Amen. And, and we did. There, there were times we had to make a decision between tithing and putting money in the gas tank. And we tithed because we knew the only... Now, I'm not talking about finances. I'm saying the truth. The truth is you tithe and the windows of heaven will be open. And there'll be a blessing poured out upon you that there's not room enough to receive. Not having gas money is not a blessing being poured out on me that there's not room enough to receive. And once I considered the truth of the matter, that settled the issue. Because tithing no longer became optional. Mm -hmm. So the result of acknowledging the truth is I'm set free. And notice something. Until you come to the knowledge of the truth, you are taken captive by the devil at his will. There's nobody that wants to be taken captive by the devil. But if you don't know the truth, you don't have a choice. That's why the devil fights the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? That's why he fights the truth. Because if he, can, if he can take the truth out of your life, you have no defense. No defense at all. And they're taken captive by him at his will. Notice 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. We just read it. It says they may recover themselves. That word is wake up or return to soberness. Wake up, return to soberness. You know, I don't know where you may have been in your life without Christ. I don't know if you've ever been anything but sober. But you remember when you sobered up? <laughs> Y'all going to act like you've never been there. Uh, yeah, I understand. 
Uh, yeah, God bless you all. Always been that way. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Amen. But, but you, you remember when you sobered up? How many times did you sober up and think, what did I do? Too many. Right? See, because when you were not sober, you weren't thinking right. And what could happen? People could convince you to do a lot of stuff because you weren't thinking right. You weren't sober. Uh, There's places you would have never went and people you'd have never known and things you'd have never done had you been sober. And he said that the problem is that these people are drunk. They're drunk because there's no truth. Truth keeps you sober. Truth keeps you sober-minded. It keeps me grounded. Do, Do you see that? Truth keeps you safe. I won't get into that snare of the enemy if I'm in the truth. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A friend of mine and I were talking, and he was talking about his church. I wasn't talking about mine, but he said, I, I got people and I don't know what's wrong with them. They're just, they're just wanting to go out and get in sin and, and all these things. And we just came to the conclusion they're not in the truth the way they should be. You can't, you can't be in the truth the way you should be and want to go live like the world. Because, because the truth is a shield. The truth, that the, amen. The Holy Ghost leads you with the truth. And, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict us. It will convince us. He will convince us when something's wrong. He's the spirit of truth. And, and, and amen. And if you're listening and you're in the truth, you'll hear the truth and there's things you won't get involved with. Amen. It, it could be something as simple as Keith Moore one time was talking when he was at Ramah. He said there was a bunch of people and this guy came through, this per, these people came through and they had this great investment opportunity. And he said everybody was getting involved in it. Everybody was getting involved in it. And he said, I thought, well, Lord, you know, am I missing something because these are people I trust and, and I mean, you know, they're not flighty people. So he said, I, I went ahead and took the money out of the bank and set up the appointment to go down and meet that person. Right? And he said, I'm on the way. I'm on my way to the meeting. I'm in the parking lot. And remember what the Lord said to him? Go ahead. He said, Lord, if you don't want me to do this, tell me. And the Lord said, I've never given you any reason to trust those people. And he called and canceled the appointment. Amen. Now, what was that? The spirit of truth? It wasn't sinful, but it would have cost him. People are being put at a deficit in the day we live in because they're not listening to truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The only way to think right is to think in line with the truth. I I taught Sunday morning uh, in the Kansas location on the ways of God. God's ways, the way that God does things. Remember back last November, I was teaching 
uh, before the election season on, on the platform that you stand yes, on. And we weren't preaching Republican or Democrat. We were, we were preaching the Word of God. What's the Word say about the two platforms? That's right. That's Amen. Right? See, what? I'll think right. Now think about this for a moment. I, 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 I wanna, I'm not being political, and this is not what I'm teaching on per se, but I want you to think about something. You know, there's a great issue in, in America today, and, you know, people will talk about how that, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler... He killed uh, 6 million Jews, uh, murdered 11 million people altogether. Uh, Jews, gypsies, uh, homosexuals, uh, political enemies. I mean, he, he murdered 11 million people, right? Uh, Mao Zedong uh, murdered 60 million of his own people, his own people. Joseph Stalin uh, murdered somewhere around 50 million of his own people. And people in America will say, oh, that's horrible, that's horrible. To date, we have murdered 64 million people in the womb. Now, I'm telling you about thinking right. How how is it that we think it's right and it's okay to murder a child in the womb, but then we want to prosecute someone if they murder a child after they're born? If it's a child after it's born, it's a child in the womb. It did not become a child after it was born. At the moment of conception, the spirit of that baby showed up. When, when that seed fertilized the mother's egg, God put the spirit in that child. It's what the Bible says. And if someone has a spirit, they are alive. Now, if I think wrong, see, I'll start going, see, because it doesn't make sense. Think about it. How can I say I care about children after they're born if I promote abortion before they're born? What what do you do when you abort something? You end it. You end the life of that thing. So by their own definition, they are ending life. But yet people that don't think right, because they don't think along the lines of the truth, say it's okay. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense to us. Because we think in line with the truth. Before I formed you, In your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you, and I ordained you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that in every human being, there is a silver cord that's attached to our spirit, that's attached to God the Father, and when you die, that spirit is taken up by that silver cord, and you're placed in the presence of God. The Bible says that God is the Father of all spirits. If you believe a child has a spirit, God is the Father of that spirit. And you, you cannot, and, and here's the thing, it's an innocent life. And the Bible says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And someone will say, well, I just believe it's a reproductive right. That's garbage. It has nothing to do with reproductive rights. 
the reproduction occurred when the, when the seed fertilized the egg. The, cho- the only choice that that person, that man or woman had was not to commit the act that would produce the life of that child. After the child is produced, the only Bible option is to take that pregnancy all the way through to the ninth month and give birth to that child. It's the only Bible option. It's the only Bible option. If you're thinking right. Well, it's just now's not a convenient time. What? See, that's not truth. That's not truth. And, and let me just help you with that. If, if, if you're single and, and you know you're, you're going to get married, let me explain something to you. There's never a convenient time to be pregnant. Even when you're married. There's never a convenient time for children to show up. They, 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 they change your whole existence. Now for the better, but, but everything changes. Bedtime changes, fun time changes, everything changes. Hallelujah. That's, that's why for the first three months you're the walking dead. You just, it's just everything is about that child. Why? Because that child cannot take care of itself. It cannot, it cannot feed itself, bathe itself, change itself. It needs you. God placed that child in the womb of a mother to be cared for and loved and cherished. And it's wrong thinking to say if it's not convenient, I'll just terminate the life of this child so I can have my convenience. But the blood is still on that person's hands. Because it's not just a mass of cells. It's a child. And I'll end this with this part with this. That's why so many of the abortion advocates don't like ultrasounds. Because if that mother ever sees, wait, there's a heart beating. Wait, there's little hands and legs. Now it's a person. And I'll just put this out here and you do whatever you want to with it. Margaret Sanger that started Planned Parenthood was an avowed racist. She was a pupil of Adolf Hitler's teaching. And she took what Hitler did with the Jews and decided we can do that in America with the African American race. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you this, there's a, and, and I'm not going to go along party lines, but there, there's a party that says we're the party of the African-American people, and they are the party that's the staunchest abortion supporters, and guess who, guess what, guess what race of children is aborted in America more every day, every week, every month, and every year than any other race, African-American children. And yet they promote themselves as the ones that are for the African-American community and they're killing African-American babies at an exponential rate every day. And God-fearing Christians will go and vote for those people that are promoting that because they're for us, they're for our people. They're killing your people. 
It's, it's, it's so important. I say it's so important. And when you look at the truth, see how the truth opens your eyes? Because that's the truth. Well, I believe it's my right. You don't have a right to murder. One of the very first Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt do no murder. I don't know how I can make it any clearer. Amen. And here's the thing. If you've been down that road, God will forgive you. God is merciful. Right? Remember right here, you can recover yourself out of the snare of the devil. Thank God. Right? There's a book out there called The Guilt, the Shame, and the Blood that deals with this very issue. Pastor Michelle, every time she would give her testimony, she would omit that part about an abortion because there was so much shame and so much guilt. Well, who was, who was laying on the shame and the guilt? The devil. Why? Because when she started telling the truth about that, people started getting set free. And we had a lady in her 80s named Betty Flynn that walked the aisle in the Kansas location. Miss Betty's in heaven today, the oldest FBIMA graduate to date, almost 90 years old when she graduated. And she walked that aisle and said, I'm dealing with shame. And Pastor Michelle said, over what? She said, in the 1960s, I owned a bar and I got pregnant and I had a back alley abortion. And I've been in shame with that over the last 40 years. If she hadn't taught the truth on that subject, that 80-some-odd-year-old woman would have not been set free. She had been dealing with that shame for 40 years. Amen. But when you hear the truth, it, it makes you free. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you know, I've been told things like before, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. L- l- listen, listen. That, that, that don't cut it. Because we can all read the Scripture. And if it's shown to you in the Scripture, then you're responsible for it. That settles the issue. Amen. I had a person tell me one time, uh, they were talking about the Word, and I said, the Word's absolute truth. And they said, to you, it's absolute truth, not to me. People say, what's your response? Listen, it's not truth because you believe it's truth. It's truth regardless. Whether you believe it or not, it's truth. There are people that want to say there's not a hell. There's a hell. It's there whether you believe it's there or not. My wife and I were talking to a person one time, and, and my wife said, told this person, said, what you're going under is an attack of the devil. And they said, no, 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 don't talk about the devil. I don't like to talk about the devil. Well, just because you don't want to talk about him don't mean he don't exist. The truth is there's a devil. Now, the other truth is we have victory over him. But the truth is, is that he's doing everything he can do to mess up your life. And he's doing everything that he can do to draw you over into non-truth so that he can get his hooks in your brain and snare you. You know, the thing about a snare is it doesn't kill the victim. It traps them and it injures them. And it causes pain. And there are people that are living with pain and living with injuries and living with things that the enemy has put on them because they don't know the truth. Once you know the truth, that's all over. That's why Jesus carried your pains and carried your sorrows. 
Amen. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for uh, uh, all men, kings, all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Notice, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So notice something. This is so important. The desire of the Father is that everybody comes to the knowledge of the truth. And that's what he says we should pray for. Why is the knowledge of the truth so so important? Because the knowledge of the truth is what makes free. Once truth shows up, freedom follows. Isn't that great? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Savior. That's the truth that he wants people to see. Amen. And, and, And we've got Protestant people today saying well you know uh, there are people that believe there's many ways to God and you know however you get to God it doesn't matter how you get there that's a lie that's a lie Jesus said no one can come to the father except through him he said I am the way I am the truth and I am the light amen you can't weasel your way to the father there's no back back door behind the throne there's no angel standing at the back door saying come on in he's not there right he's not there if you're going to come on in it's in the front door hallelujah (laughs) amen but now now why is that important because because that lie sounds easier oh come on you know you're one of those guys that believes Jesus is the only way. Yeah, because Jesus said he's the only way. Uh, somebody told me a story. They were at a barbershop one day, and somebody said, uh, I, don't, I don't want nothing to do with that white man's Jesus. White man's Jesus. Jesus wasn't a white man. No, you're exactly right. He wasn't. He was a Jew. And I don't really care what he was. I don't care if he was Asian. He's still the way. He saved my soul. If I get to heaven and he's just as black as coal, I'm still going to fall on my face and kiss his feet and thank him for saving me. I don't care. I don't care if he's black, white, what he is. He saved my soul. That's the key. That's the truth. He's the savior of all mankind. Oh, hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3. I know we're bouncing back and forth, but this is good stuff. The knowledge of the truth. And truth gets persecuted because truth demands change. People persecute truth because truth requires change. When we talk about living for God, You know, living for God is not just coming to church and praying. Living for God is that you're living for God. In other words, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for God. That's why the scripture says my life is not my own. Because I've been bought with a price. See, that's the truth. And a lot of people struggle because they're trying to live a life that's supposed to be lived for God for themselves. And God cannot bless a life that's supposed to be lived for Him when you're living it for yourself. You're playing both ends against the middle. 
That's like people in America crying out for God to bless America, but we keep killing children. You're playing both ends against the middle. You're asking God to bless something that He said He hates, and He won't bless what He hates. Well, Pastor, you're saying we can't be blessed. We're in the kingdom. We're not, we're not for those things. We're not for abortion. We're not for that sinful activity. God will bless His people in the middle of a sinful nation. In the middle of a nation where the blessing of God has been withdrawn, God will bless His people. Mm-mm-mm. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know in the last days perilous times shall come. Now he's going to tell us why. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Is that what it says? It says turn away from them. Now that's a whole other message. I'm not going to stay there. But it says turn away from them. Is the word truth? then that's my, that's, my, that's my approach to that. That's my response. All right? For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with different lust. Notice this, because this is going to be very important. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're learning... But they can't come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also, notice, resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, notice this. They never recognize the truth. They never grasp the truth. Paul says three things about these men who were like Janus and Jambres. Janus and Jambres were, uh, according to uh, the Bible never talks about Janus and Jambres other than it talks about the Egyptian magicians. It doesn't name them. But uh, 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 Hebrew tradition says it was Janus and Jambres were their names. And they withstood Moses. All right? Now, it says three things about them. Number one, they resist the truth. That's stronger than just passive resistance. It means they are actively in opposition to the truth. They're actively opposing the truth. Amen. Folks, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You do whatever you want to do with this. We got, a lot, we got a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers and a lot of churches that are taking political sides and a lot of the political sides that they're taking is in opposition to the truth. And people are actively opposing the truth. Notice what they're opposing. What are they opposing? The truth. Why are they opposing the truth? Because they're constantly learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. I learned that years ago. You can sit and hear ministers that have a lot of knowledge, but no truth. They have a lot of information, but no truth. That's why people will go to a church where a known Participating active homosexual is the pastor. 
but yet that's their church. That's where they go to learn about God when they have someone that's in opposition to the truth trying to teach and preach, and you can't do that. At the best, you're going to get man's philosophy. You're going to get that philosophical bent on what they think the Word says. You're not going to get what the Holy Spirit says the Word is because the first thing the Holy Spirit would do is convict them of their sin. Do you understand that? Amen. See, the truth is the truth. Whether you're a Word of Faith church or a Baptist church or an Assembly of God church, the truth is the truth. The truth, the truth stays the same. We, we, can't, we can't sugarcoat things and water them down because we want people to believe how good and loving and kind God is. You're hearing about the truth tonight because God brought you here because of how good and loving and kind He is. Am I helping you? So they're, then number two, they are men of corrupt minds. Oh, this is so important. This indicates depravity, utter corruption. It's, it's describing people that no longer understand truth. That's what he said in Romans 1, 21 and 22. You, if, you, if you remember that. It says that they could not come to the acknowledgement of the truth. The truth was an issue for them. Why? Because of their darkened minds. Their understanding was darkened. And it says further on in that same chapter, it says because they refused to acknowledge God. Amen. 1 Timothy 6.5, it says that these people have lost the grip of the truth. Then thirdly, he said they are reprobate concerning the faith. Here's what reprobate means. It simply means no judgment. A mind void of judgment. Now this is so important. I'm, I'm going to be done in just a few minutes. Bear with me, please. Reprobate, no judgment concerning the faith. If you have no judgment concerning the faith, you have no judgment concerning the truth. Because the faith is of the truth. This is where many of the issues with ministers stem from today. They have, they have a mind void of judgment where the truth is concerned. I saw something years ago. I say years ago, a few years ago. The largest, well, the, uh, the Pentecostal denomination in Australia, uh, they had the meeting of all their presbyters and all their pastors and, and their bishops and, you know, all the other uh, ips, and they all came together. And here's what they decided. That it was okay for their preachers to drink socially as long as they didn't get drunk. Now, wait a minute. That's the assembly of God. You, you remember where they were started, right? 1914, Hot Springs, Arkansas. They came out of the Azusa Street outpouring. On fire for God. Pastor Ron, you've been associated with the assembly. I've been in the assembly. Amen. That's where, that, that was our home church, was the, the assembly of God. Amen. Pastor Caton. Man, we had some Holy Ghost services there. But it was founded on the Holy Ghost. 
the, the man that was heading up the assembly of God, his father was the founding pastor of much of the assemblies of God in Australia and New Zealand. Now, I'm, I'm fast-forwarding into this. When I heard that all those years ago, I thought, Lord, they've opened a door to something. I heard a man say something one time about adultery, and he said he was speaking to men, and he said, men, listen to me. He said, if one woman's not too many, a thousand won't be enough. That's important. Well, here recently in this church where this head over the assembly of God, they have a college, and one of their... their uh, a young lady from the States was attending college there and she was out with the church leaders and was sexually molested by one of the leaders. You know what the excuse given by the head of that church was? Well, it was a stupid mistake on his part. He had had too much to drink. What? That's a mind void of judgment. What, what do you do with the Scripture? That Paul said the leader in the church must not be given to wine. What do you do with that? Well, you know, it's, the Bible's not against drinking. It's just against getting drunk. You're quoting that because you want to drink. And nobody knows if you get drunk or not. That's just the truth of it. Well, Paul told Timothy, take a little wine. Uh-huh, for your stomach. You got a bad stomach? You got, you got uh, 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 bad things in the water? Because that's why he, why he told Timothy. He said, quit drinking the water and drink that wine to kill those parasites in your stomach. You're having stomach issues because you're drinking that water. It's not good for you. Well, Jesus drunk, drunk wine. You can't prove that. He turned water into wine. Yeah, but you never saw the cup in his hand. All I'm trying to say, listen, you know, that's, I'll have people come to me and they'll say, Pastor, you know, is it a sin to drink? And my question is always to them is, why do you want to know? Because evidently there's a reason you're asking, what's the truth say? The truth says in Proverbs that the person that has red eyes and gets into all kinds of problems is the person that drinks wine and lingers long over the wine and it says he feels like a sailor that's been beat up and tied to the mast of the ship and then when they untie him and he sobers up he goes, I'm going to go get some more. Now I'm not against anybody but if you've got a, a right look at truth why do we want to be doing anything the world's doing? Why do you want to drive down to Berbilia? Well, y'all don't, I don't guess we have Berbilia here. What is it, Papa Top? You don't know? I saw it the other day, Papa Top. But, 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 but why, right? Why should anybody see a believer's car at Papa Top? Because you got to go somewhere to get it. You got to go somewhere to get it. I don't ever want to come up on any of my members in Kroger and they go, hey, Pastor, hey, praise the Lord. Amen. Now I'm almost done. Bear with me. 
I, I remember, I remember my mother going to a, a, a woman's house in their church and her husband was not serving the Lord and he smoked cigarettes. And my mother knocked on the door and that man came to the door with that cigarette in his hand. And when he opened the door and saw it was my mother, he palmed that cigarette. Burnt the dickens out of his hand. But he, she knew he was smoking. Everybody and their brother knew the man smoked. You know, if you smoke, we know. I mean, it's, um, you know, we're, it's not condemnation. It's just if somebody smokes, we know. But why would he do that? Respect. For the pastor's wife. Amen. But now we got Bible studies meeting in the pub. Hymns and beer. Do, do, you know, if, if, if you got Google available, just type in hymns and beer and see how many returns you get. You will get hundreds. We're going to come and sing the old hymns of the church. And have a pint. I, I can't imagine that with a pint of beer. A mighty fortress is our God. I just. Right? When I survey the wondrous cross upon which the king of glory died. My richest gains I count but loss. Pass me the rye pilsner. Now, people say, well, Pastor, you know, we're not, we're not involved in that. I'm telling you about a, a right concept of the truth. The world will try to make you think that's okay. And that's what attracts people. It'll break down barriers. The only barrier that any sinner has in getting to the cross is their own pride. That's the only barrier. When you let your pride go, the way's open. The way's open. Amen. This, so we got to maintain proper judgment where the word is concerned. We got to consider it truth concerning everything. I've never seen such a rash of ministers falling into sexual immorality and getting caught doing things. What in the world's going on? I've been asking my wife, what is going on? We got shepherds that are standing behind their pulpit that are charged with presenting that church mature to Christ in the book of Colossians. He said, he said I, I strive to present you perfect before Christ. And yet you got ministers sitting down at their computer soliciting immoral acts from people that they think are minors. And then getting caught up in the same sting that all these worldly, ungodly sinners are getting caught up in. And right at the top of the list is a preacher. See? There's no judgment where the word is concerned. You understand that? You can't be an adulterer and a fornicator. You can't be involved in all that garbage and be right. Yes, sir. 
You, you understand? Yes, sir. And, and, and I'll tell you something. I'll, 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 we got one more verse. We're going to end on a good note. <laughs> this is a good note. Here, here's, 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 here's the thing. Pastors have to care what people think. A leader is a leader in action, in deed, in thought, in mindset, not just behind the pulpit. I refuse to stand up here and have you call me a good preacher and my life be off the rails. Amen. Because you got to have a right valuation of the truth. Now that, that involves you constantly checking up on yourself. Amen. Am I letting my mind wander places it shouldn't wander? Do, do, am, am, am I, am I uh, 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 is that appealing to me? Why is that appealing to me? If my mind was where it should be, that wouldn't be appealing to me. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. It said, it is a shame to even speak of those things that are done in private by the sinner. That's important because it gives you a proper valuation of truth. That's what we got to instill in our children. That's what we got to instill in our grandchildren. Not this philosophy that God understands. God doesn't understand. He said, I don't understand. Read the book of Ezekiel sometime. He talked about all the people that kept turning their back on him. And he said, I'm telling you, I'm against you. I'm against what you're doing. I'm against you. I can't bless you because of what you're doing. God loves people so much that he will not bless when they're doing something that's, that's, that is uh, opposite of his truth. Amen. Because if he keeps blessing them, they will persist in it. And he loves them enough to pull his hand of blessing off of it. I don't know about you, but I like having God in my life. I like having God in my corner. Woo. John 8, and we'll, we'll close here. There, there, there are people that... that that will say, well, this is what I think. Well, here's what I think. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? say? I've had people tell me before. I had a person look right at me and say, well, you know, uh, 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 Jesus wasn't against homosexual marriage. He never talked about marriage. Beg your pardon? Jesus said in the book of Matthew, He said, He that created them in the beginning created them male and female. And it said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. The man, the husband is the man and the wife is the woman. He, he created them male and female. The husband is the male, the wife is the female. Now you know that, but to say that Jesus never talked about marriage proves that you don't know what the truth says because he did. He's the one that instituted marriage. He knows what marriage is. Amen. And you can't sugarcoat and soften up the truth because you don't want to make anybody feel bad. Hallelujah. Because, because, because that will destroy people's lives. Now they're living in sin. And they come to church, and when people come to church, they come to learn the truth. The church is a place of rescue. The church is a place where right can, where wrong can be made right. 
where I can stop doing what's wrong and start doing what's right. It's where I can, be, I can be exposed that this is not right. This is destroying my life. There's a measure of death in my life. And here's why. Because the wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. But the gift of God is eternal life. Wow. So you just stop that. You get eternal life. John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. You could probably quote this by heart. But it's so important. Then Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The devil fights the truth because that's what makes men and women free. That's what makes men and women free. Hallelujah. Once a person comes to the knowledge of the truth, their days of deception and defeat are over with. Over. I can't be deceived and, decept- I can't be deceived and defeated anymore. Just can't. And it, and, it, and it doesn't have to take long. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. Happens right now. I know the truth, and the truth will make me free. If, the, if there's things that, that, that we, not necessarily that we've taught on, but just things that God brings to you. If He brought something to you tonight, or something that you need to change, well, just, just change it. Just tell God, I'm going to change that. I repent of it, and I change it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, just bow your heads with me tonight. Bow your heads with me tonight. All of you watching online, do the same thing. Just right there in your living room or wherever you're watching us at. Some of you are watching at work. I know you are. Just bow your heads. Now, if you're doing something unsafe, don't bow your head. But just bow your heads. And, here, and, 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 and here's the issue. On this Wednesday night, this is between you and God. This is between you and the Father. Hallelujah. I'm not going to ask you to search your heart. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. Say it right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I hear the word. I have heard the word tonight. And I believe your word is truth. And I ask you right now, if there's anything in me that needs to change, reveal it to me. Show it to me. And I'll change it. In the name of Jesus.